Amen. Good morning, Cross Point. Good morning. You guys awake? Ready to study the Bible? Okay, awesome. Very good. Kids, you can be released for Children's Church. And I want to begin by saying thank you this morning um, for the cards, for the messages, for the words of condolences as I was out last week for the the funeral of my grandmother. Um, It was good to be with my mom and and with my family. This was um, the mother of my mom. Um, And as many of you know, my dad passed away nine months ago. And so it's just been a difficult season. So it was good to be uh, with them. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your continued prayers um, for our family. I know uh, Anthony's family as well. Um, When we just feel the reality of loss, but also the joy that we have in heaven. I'm also grateful for Justin preaching last minute last week. I'd given him a little bit of a heads up. It also made me a little nervous because I've had some people, you know, that he didn't preach the passage I'm going to preach this morning because I was really looking forward to it. And a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't say that because I think I can preach it better or I have like this great phenomenal sermon. It's because these verses that we're going to be looking at today in, in Colossians these are some of the, like, I love these verses. Like, they're, they're among my favorites, and they're so central. Like, they've impacted my life. The, the, the decisions that I've made, how I've come to those decisions, things I've chosen to do and things I've chosen to avoid. Like, if I knew that I had one sermon left in me before God took my final breath, these would be in the final verses I would want to declare. That's how important these verses are to me. And and, and that's why I wanted the joy of being able to stand up here and and, and preach them to you because what we've been looking at in this series of Colossians is that Jesus is over everything. In many ways, like the title of today's message is Jesus is over all things, which is another way of saying Jesus is over everything, (laughs) right? Because what we've been seeing is the Apostle Paul wrote this letter that that we've been looking at in Colossians, and he's writing to a church that he's never met. They become believers because someone heard him preach, took it back to their hometown and preach. And and then he's heard about this community, and and this community is, is wanting to grow in their relationship with Christ, and they're in a culture where they're facing two different extremes. On the one hand, they live in a culture where People can follow whatever God they want. There's multiple gods. Whatever makes you happy, you can follow that God. And then on the other hand, you have religious circles where they're saying, no, you have to follow certain rites and rituals in order for God to be happy with you. And what Paul is going to call this church to is not to fall into either of these extremes, but he's going to lift their focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And what happens is in these verses that we're looking at today, they're kind of like a song, a a hymn, if you will, in the middle that draws everything back to it, as if it's the the hub of a wheel that's holding all the tension of the spokes together. Like we heard in the beginning where Paul's like, look, I've heard of your faith and love, but I want you to understand that that faith and love has come from Christ. It's because of your hope in the gospel that you have faith and love, that Christ, Christ is the source and the substance of your faith, that, that, that it's Christ and the good news 
of who he is. He is the object of your love. He's going to say Jesus is over that. When it comes to how you grow in your faith with Christ, it's because of Jesus, because of the good news, because he has given you understanding to have all spiritual wisdom and knowledge that you are growing and walking in a manner worthy of who Christ is. It's because of him. And then today, we're going to see the weight of that. Because, see, we see what, where Paul has said. It's because of the good news that we grow spiritually. But what is that good news? What is the good news that should stir our hearts this morning from indifference? That should stir our hearts out of whatever is, is occupying the space of your heart and mind this morning? Because we see here these verses that preceded what we're going to look at today. In 1, 13 and 14. When it says he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. I want us to feel, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus this morning, I want you to feel the reality of these words. He has rescued you. He's rescued you from the powers of darkness. That you are no longer in bondage to sin. You no longer have hearts of stone against God. You are, are no longer condemned. You are no longer a victim because Jesus Christ has rescued you from this spiritual domain of darkness. And he's transferred you to the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ, whom he loves. You have been transferred you have been forgiven, wrongs washed away, made clean by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is who you are this morning. But here's the question. Here's the reality I want us to face this morning. How can this be true? Like we would have to contemplate, is this just wishful thinking of a hurting people? looking for a way that the pain just doesn't hit so hard? Is it actually true? Who is this Christ who claims that he can rescue us from the domain of darkness? Who is this Christ who claims that he has redeemed us? Who is this Christ that says he takes away the condemnation, takes away the shame, takes away everything that's occupying your heart and mind this morning? Is he actually sufficient can he do what he has claimed that he can do? Or are we in reality just coding the hurts and pains of our souls with wishful thinking? Who is this Christ? And that's what we're going to see this morning. So if you will, stand with me for the reading of God's word. I want to pray for us this morning because out of everything I say this morning, the reading of these words is the most important thing you will hear. It is the power of God's word, the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding this morning, not the words that follow. This is why we stand to quiet our minds and hearts to hear God's word. So let's pray and then read. We're going to be reading chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you 
that we can gather together this morning, that we can open your word, that we can read your words to us here this morning. Lord, as they are read, give us eyes to see. Let us see the beauty of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, let us see the supremacy of Christ first above all else in our hearts this morning. Lord, give us ears to hear. And in Jesus' name, amen. Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now, now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. This is God's word. You may be seated. Here's what I I want us to see right off the bat. If you look with me at verse 21, let's start with the end for a moment, because what you think about Jesus, it matters. Like this message isn't pointless. What you think and what you believe about Jesus matters. And it's going to matter in all of life. It says once you were alienated. See, once you were in that domain of darkness, once you were separated from God, and when you were, it says your, your minds were hostile toward him. And and when your minds were hostile and what you thought about God was hostile towards God, this was expressed in your actions. This came out in the way you behaved. This came out in the way you acted. You were rebelling against God. It says this in Romans chapter 1, verses 21. For though they knew God, it was evident, creation declaring the, the invisible qualities of who God is. All creation can see that there is a creator who is glorious, infinite. But they did not glorify him as God. They didn't show gratitude towards God. Instead, their thinking, Romans says, became worthless. 
And their senseless hearts were darkened into that domain of darkness. And they claimed to be wise. Oh, they claimed to be educated. They claimed to have it all figured out. But they became fools and they exchanged the glory of God, the glory of the immortal God for images that resembled mortal men, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. See, their minds... And what they thought in hostility towards God was expressed through their actions. But now, see, now something has changed. Now he has reconciled you by his physical body. He changed the spiritual realm because of his physical body being put to death on the cross so that he could present you this morning holy, faultless, and blameless. So who is this rescuer? And what do you think about him? My heart and my prayer this morning is that these words that we're about to read would shape how you think about Jesus. And specifically how you think about Jesus in relationship to whatever it is that you carried in with you this morning. And that we would place Jesus above everything. Because that is where he rightfully belongs. There, there's seven things I want us to see in this passage. That does not mean there's only seven things to see in these verses. It just means seven things are all we have time for this morning. Okay, there are many more. It's just to help you if you're taking notes, follow along. And there's seven statements of who Jesus is. So look with me at 15. He is the image of of the invisible God. Jesus is God. He is our, our rescuer. John 1 verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God is at the Father's side, and he has revealed him. Jesus is that, that image. It doesn't just mean like he's a, a, a photocopy. It's not just he's similar to. It means he is a pure representation of God. That means we can't see God. He's invisible. But in Christ, we can see the unseeable. We can know that the unknowable. We can touch the, the untouchable. We can behold the, the unimaginable in Christ. That is who he is, that our rescuer, the one who allows us to sit here this morning and say, I am free, I am forgiven, I am holy, I am faultless because I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ. The reason why he's worthy is because he is God. This is what scripture is telling us. He is the image of the invisible God. Number two, he is the firstborn over all creation. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, I want us to be careful here. What does this mean that he is the firstborn? This is a title for who Jesus is. It is not saying that Jesus was created. And I want us to be careful of this because if a Jehovah Witness comes knocking on your door one day and they say, yes, I believe in the same Jesus you did. Did you know that Jesus is not God and that he was actually created by God? And they want to bring you to this verse and say, see, he is the firstborn 
of creation. He was the first thing that God created. Know that that's a lie. The reason it is a lie is because this is a title for Christ. It is not saying he was created. We can know this because if you just flip one page to 2.9, it says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. That Christ is eternal. He is God in very essence, God. Though distinct from the Father in personhood, He is of the same essence in nature, fully, completely God. That is who He is. In this status then of firstborn, we see in Psalm 89 that He will call to me, You are my Father, my God, the rock of my salvation, and I will make Him my firstborn, greatest among the kings of the earth. See, what we need to understand is that firstborn in ancient Near Eastern societies was very different, particularly for the firstborn son. Firstborn sons were prized above the other children. They inherited special privileges and authority simply because they were the firstborn son. Firstborn sons were considered uniquely qualified to represent their father and to manage the family's inheritance. This was considered the right and the privilege of the firstborn. And that's what it's saying. This is who Christ is. He is, he, he is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the, the firstborn. He, he is the one who, who perfectly represents the father's and, and the father's inheritance. This is who Christ is. And he is over everything, for everything was created by him. But here's the thing. He is the firstborn over all creation. And, and here's what the passage is going to go on to say. What does that mean? What does it mean when it says all creation? Does all mean all? Does all mean some? Does all mean what all thinks to you? Like what does all mean? And it's going to go to show us, number three, that Jesus is supreme. It's the supremacy of Christ in all things for everything. Everything was created by him. By him. Jesus made everything. He is the eternal God. It was Jesus who said before the earth was created, let there be light and there was light. Jesus was not created. He has eternally existed and he has created all things. They were created by him. He is the creator. Things in heaven and things on earth. You look at the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the solar system, the, the, the Milky Way, the galaxies. It was all made by him. Everything our, our eyes can see and beyond what our eyes can see. Jesus made that. You, you look at the, the trees, the, the sea, the sand, the, the lakes, the, the grass, the animals, the people. Jesus made it. Everything you see and, and can't see, the visible and the invisible, if your eyes can see it, Jesus made it. The things your eyes can't see, the, the wind, the, the, the microscopic, the, the deepest fathoms of the sea, the, the furthest reaches of space, Jesus made it. He made it all. Things in the spiritual world and the things in the physical world. Look at what it says, the thrones and dominions, that dominion of darkness that Jesus has rescued you from, he's over that too. 
that the, the kingdom in heaven, he's over that too. What about the nations? What about the politicians? Jesus is over that. Rulers and authorities. There is no equal to our rescuer. All things through him and for him. All things through him and for him. All means all. He is the, the source of all creation, and he is supreme over all creation. He is before all things, verse 17, and by him all things hold together. Here's why this matters. This can just be like, I want it to become more than just information in our minds. I want you to imagine Picture yourself standing up here on this platform, okay? And I want you to imagine yourself holding in your hands the things that have occupied your mind and heart this week. The things that maybe you walked in here with, standing here holding. Maybe it's things that that have brought you joy, things you're excited about. Maybe it's things that have been heavier. Maybe it's health, a diagnosis, a death in the family, your marriage, your children, your singleness, your job. What is it that you're carrying? Maybe it's your past sins, how you think God sees you. And you know how on your phone you can kind of pinch and it zooms out? I want you to do that and imagine yourself up on the stage and then zoom out. And I want you to see your whole family here. Your immediate family, your extended family standing up here. I want you to zoom out again and see our city. The story of our neighborhoods. The city, the stories represented there. Zoom out again and and, and see our nation. The the news that you listen to or or watch, the things that, that you've seen happening, the brokenness around our country, and see that up here on the stage. And then zoom out again. And I want you to picture the earth here. The the nations at war, the, the, the natural disasters the heartache. Zoom out again. See the sun and the planets rotating around. And again, the Milky Way. The beauty of the the stars that only a telescope can even begin to fathom. And zoom out again. How unfathomable all of it becomes. And then in this moment, I want you to picture that all here. And then think about these words. Because outside of that, it says all of it was created by him. By the one who claims to have rescued you from your sin, it was all created by 
Him. And then it says it was created through Him. Through who He is. This is why creation displays the invisible qualities of the immortal God. Because He created it and it displays because it was created through Him. And then He stands on the other side of it. And it was created by Him and it was created through Him and it was created for Him. For him, that the goal of all of it is to point to Christ. And then it says he is before all things. He is like over it. He is outside of it. He is not contained by what he has created. He is supreme over it all because he is before it all. But he's not distant. Because then he stands in the middle of it all. In the middle, and he says, and he holds all things together. So zoom back in to you standing here with what you've carried in this morning and ask yourself this question, who is Christ in relationship to my pain, to my shame, to my hopes and my dreams? And let the image of who Christ is expand your mind beyond comprehension. We can know, we can know that our rescue, that our redemption is secure. Because see, the universe is not some sort of yin and yang where it's these equal but opposite forces of good and and evil living in this harmonious uh, relationship with one another. No, Christ is before all things. He is, it is by Him, through Him, for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. There is no equal to Christ. There is no equal but opposite evil to Christ. The, the, the dominion of darkness that kept us enslaved to sin has no power to our rescuer of Jesus Christ. The pain that you carry this morning has no bearing, no weight to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Like, this is our hope. This is how we can know our rescue is secure because of who he is. And this is why it goes on to say, Jesus is the head of the church. It's like, whoa, you just made a big leap here, but what does that mean? Jesus is the head because what else would we stand up here and proclaim? Why does Cross Point exist? Jesus. To glorify Him above all else. What is the goal of Cross Point? Jesus. Because He is before all things and holds all things together. What is the goal of our existence as a church? It's Jesus. He's the head of the church. He determines the the vision, the direction of who we are and where we go together as a church. Because He's the head. Because He's the only one who's worthy to stand as the head. I'm not. You're not only Christ. So beware. Beware of churches that seek to build a human kingdom and influence of a pastor. Beware of churches that preach a pastor's opinion over the Word of God. Beware of headless churches roaming the world seeking to do good for their own reputation. 
We have one head, one Lord, one Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And until He returns, we exist to proclaim His name and His works. Period. Because He is the victor. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the first born from the dead. There's that title again. First born from the dead. Such an important phrase for us to believe as the church. Romans 5 expounds on this some. There's some understanding that's helpful here because see, Romans 5 helps us see that, that what happened to God's creation is sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And it says, death came on the coattails of sin. Death, separation from God, the brokenness in creation, in the cosmos, happened because of sin entering the world through Adam and death through sin. One man, but it says, how much more? If sin and death could enter into creation through one man, how much more then does life come through Christ? Through the one man, Jesus Christ. The gift of grace, freedom. Through one man. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits, that firstborn, the inheritance that then gets passed on to others. He is the first that then gives that inheritance to others. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning death. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For just as Adam, in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. This is our hope. This is why we can sit here. This is why last Saturday, I could stand before a hole in the ground with my grandmother in a casket standing there in the rain. And then as I stood there and as I prayed aloud, the verses that came to mind was death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Because the grave is no longer final. My grandmother had placed her faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection. And I know for certainty that the body that lay in that casket is not the body that is now alive in glory, beholding our Savior. That is not the end of the story. And I know this with certainty because of who Christ is. Because he is the image of the invisible God. Because he is supreme. Because he is the creator. Because he is our victor. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the head of the church. There is hope because of who he is. And that Jesus is first. So that, continuing in verse 18, he might come to have first place in everything. That Jesus will have first place in everything. That there is nothing above Jesus. 
It was by him that all things were created. It was through him and for him because he is before all things and in him all things hold together because Jesus, our rescuer, is God because he is sufficient and he is supreme. That he has made peace through his blood on the cross. For God was pleased to have the fullness, his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all that is broken, all the pain, all the sickness that has entered the world because of sin and death. He has reconciled it all in himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Do you see how we've just gone from this cosmic view of who God is as the living God, his supremacy over all things, and then we see that it is his physical death on the cross through his shed blood that all things then are reconciled back to himself. This is why it matters what we think. There's these two things I want us to consider of how do we apply all of this? This morning, personally, what you think about Jesus matters. And it's going to matter because it's going to impact the way you live your life. Hostility towards God and mind will be expressed through rebellion in actions. But a mind that is surrendered to Christ, that is shaped by who He is and His glory, will produce in us godliness and holiness. Worthy of his name. What shapes your thinking of Christ? I would encourage you, if you're thinking about memorizing verses, memorize 15 through 20. Like, what would it look like to so have these words and meditating on that it's what we're thinking about? Allow it to renew our mind. If you're... Have you ever had this experience where it's like you're thinking, like you just have these outside thoughts and they begin to distract you and, they're, and, and they begin to weigh you down or you're daydreaming? The thoughts that we ruminate on do begin to shape us. And I believe that what we think matters and what we think particularly about Jesus matters. But let me ask you this, the final question this morning. What are you placing before Jesus? Like there's that line you're going to see on the screen. Jesus with a line under it. But sometimes, if we're honest, we place things above him. That diagnosis, that rejection, our sin, our shame, our story. And we're like, yeah, 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 but, but you don't know my story. You don't know my pain. You don't know the rebellion that I've had or, or that my kids are in. And what happens is we begin to place this above Jesus and we think it's somehow outside of his sovereign hand. What would it look like this morning if you prayerfully surrender that thing that you're carrying to Christ, 
and, and you kind of like, you wrote it under that line, Jesus is over my, what would it be? What would it be if, if, if you didn't just write that, but you truly believed it? How would you respond differently tomorrow? Because today you surrendered that under the sovereign hand of God. This is what this passage invites us to do. To surrender it. Look at verse 23. Or 22, let's go back. But now he has reconciled you in his physical body. Through his death. See, your, your reconciliation, your holiness, these descriptions of holy, faultless, blameless, it was purchased by the blood of Jesus through his death on the cross. Because he is over it all. If indeed you remain grounded, steadfast in the faith, that you aren't shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This is the hope of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is God, that he lived a perfect life, that he is over all creation and yet entered into it, taking on human flesh, though remaining completely God, to reconcile to himself all things through his blood that was shed on the cross. So remain in this steadfast, the hope. This is your hope, not just for eternity, not just for a future But for today, in this moment, He is sovereign today over your situation. He is sovereign and supreme. So surrender whatever it is that you're tempted to place above Him. Surrender that to Christ. Let's pray.